Father, um, we thank you for your word, and um, as you knock on the door through your word, the door of our hearts, may we open and welcome you in. Welcome in the strange word which is able to save our souls. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Don't ever wish to be a character in a Bible story. Um, I always find that really ordinary folks, which is most of us, end up either coming across like faithless heathens or, uh, or dead, or they end up dead. Naboth is one prominent example. Um, it's only the real weirdos who end up being the heroes of the biblical story. So take, for example, two people, Ahaz and Isaiah. Ahaz is a pretty ordinary king of a pretty small, ordinary kingdom. This is way past the glorious days of Solomon when he was hanging out with Cleopatra and um, chopping down the cedars of Lebanon for siding for his new house. Um, this, is, this is a whole different time. The kingdom is much smaller. It's split in half. A lot of bureaucracy. And frankly, it's really difficult to rule in this period of time because there's a superpower called Assyria that's on the loose. And Assyria is just chomping up small kingdoms like this. So Ahab has a really tough job, like a lot of ordinary people. And he's just trying to do it well. So one of the, one of the ideas that he has is um, he's trying to use his enemies as friends in order to turn on his other enemies. And so there's Assyria, the superpower, and then there's these two other kingdoms, the smaller northern kingdom and then Syria. And, and he, his idea is, well, if I team up with Assyria, then we'll be able to outmatch these other two kingdoms. The reason I tell you all that is not because it's interesting, but because it's boring statecraft. It's just the regular kind of stuff that he has to deal with as a king. And it's a lot of the kind of regular stuff we have to deal with. No, of course, we're not getting attacked and we're not dealing with superpowers and all that kind of stuff. But we have to, every day we have to make these kinds of choices that are difficult to make and there's no easy answers. And we would like some help. We would like some support. And I think one of the reasons we come to church is because we would like to have some inspiration, some at least certainty about some of the decisions we're making. We would like to have God's support in the things that we do. And so this is the situation Ahaz finds himself when Isaiah calls up and says, Ahaz, meet me by the side of the road. I want to talk to you. So it's already an inconvenience. Um, they, they were, you know, I mean, Ahaz has a place where he operates out of. And Isaiah says, no, 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 we're going to meet by the side of the road. Probably some, you know, garbage diner or something like that. Um, but I, I, Isaiah wants to meet with him, and he's like, okay, fine, let's, let's meet. And they get together, and I, Isaiah is just profoundly unhelpful. Isaiah says, um, uh, I'd like you to ask God for a sign. And Ahaz says, hold on, this is not, I, I've read the Bible. I mean, the Bible was a little different back then, but um, I know how this goes, and like, it's not a good idea to ask God for a sign. That's not what we do. We don't test God. That's, a, that's not a thing, especially a king who needs to keep God on his side. And Isaiah just ignores him and he says, fine, I'm going to give you a sign. 
there's going to be a young woman, they're going to give birth to a baby, and the baby's going to be called God is with us. And then that's it. That's how helpful Isaiah is. How is Ahaz supposed to take this? How is Ahab, Ahaz supposed to hear this sign of a baby born whose name is God is with us? This was a thing back then. A lot of prophets would use their kids as signs. And so they would have all kinds of really weird names like not my people or I'm going to the store or um, uh, you know, locusts are coming in seven days. That was the name of your kid. So, so uh, usually it was pretty clear, like, oh, the locusts are coming in seven days. But this one, it's not clear exactly how to take this. You could take it the way German soldiers took this phrase in World War I. They actually had it on their belt buckles. It said, in German, God is with us. You could take it the way the North and the South took it during the Civil War, which was that God is on our side. That's, that is one way to take it. But in Ahaz's time, in, in the next actually couple chapters, we see it's more ambiguous than that. It can also mean God is with you. Uh-oh. God is with you. And in fact, the verse that we have here where it says um, that the, the child will, will eat honey and curds, um, commentators don't agree on what that means. It could mean that everything's fine because he's eating honey and curds, um, which is a good meal. Or it could mean that he's a nomad. He's lost. He has no home. Commentators don't, haven't settled on that. And who is the child? In the context, who is this child? Is it a random kid? Is it Isaiah's kid? It doesn't exactly say. It could refer to another king called Hezekiah, one of Isaiah's sons. Again, commentators don't agree on what's going on. Even the word young woman here is understood in the New Testament to mean virgin, but here it doesn't mean that. It just means a young woman. After this little account here, this is the last we hear of Ahaz. He pretty much disappears from the story. And then the Assyrians, they do end up sacking Jerusalem. They end up destroying the temple and they end up taking people off into exile. Is that what God with us means? The scripture itself has a life that continues on after this. It becomes a very important scripture in the book of Matthew when Matthew wants to declare the birth of Jesus, he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. And so what does it mean? Um, a couple of days ago, I was reading through our um, Advent reader and it came up on Madeline Langle's little poem, short little poem. Uh, a little explosion of a poem, frankly, a little time bomb. And it goes like this, and it's, how, it's where we got the name for the Advent reader. This is the irrational season when love blooms bright and wild. Had Mary been filled with reason, there'd have been no room for the child. Okay, Madeline. Irrational season 
is such a wonderful phrase, but I mean, we're all just people. We have to live our lives. I mean, what was Ahaz going to do? At that time, his life made sense. He had a lot of responsibility. He was in charge of a great deal. The heritage of his people was on his shoulders and he had to figure this thing out with very little resources. Um, Ben and I were just talking about this. In the military battle, you have to have the mostest and be there the firstest, is that right? Yeah, essentially, yeah. Um, And and he, he didn't have those. What was he supposed to do? He did everything he was supposed to do. He was there at the temple. He made his sacrifices. He wasn't one of the notorious kings who, you know, did idolatry on high places. He did everything right. He didn't test God, even when he was tempted to by Isaiah. He honored him. He did all of it. And then all he asked was that God would bless him in what he was doing. All he asked was that this little kingdom of Judah could stay safe. Isn't that reasonable? Isn't that a rational existence? Isn't that what you and I want too? We just want some arrangement with God. We get that we can't figure out the mind of God. We get that we'll never understand fully what he's up to in the world, but can't we make some sort of an arrangement where we, we try to do the right thing, we try to live well in the world, we try to do things for, to do good things for people, and you know, some security? Maybe not wild wealth and blessing, but some protection, some normalcy, some rational existence. Yet somehow Isaiah is the hero. And somehow this message is the one that we are supposed to hear. If God with us doesn't mean that everything will work out, What in the world does it mean? Israel did find out what it meant. Isaiah narrates this. The temple was destroyed. They were forced into exile. The unimaginable nightmare happened to them. Everything in their life turned upside down and they discovered that in the midst of the worst thing they could imagine, God was with them. They really did lose everything. They even lost their deeply meaningful arrangement with God. And somehow, God remained with them. For them, Emmanuel meant that no matter what, God is with us. And then later, there's a new Ahaz who comes along, whose name is Mary. And a new Isaiah visits her, and his name is Gabriel. What's brought is disruption, confusion. Nothing at all makes sense in this visitation. How can this be, she says, I have not even been with a man. A pregnancy for her meant everything went wrong. Exclusion from her community, seeking asylum in Egypt because Herod sought to kill the boy, poverty, 
even watching her son's crucifixion. Everything would have been okay for her, Joseph, at the family, if she had just said no. She would have had a world that made a lot more sense. But Mary chose the irrational. Mary risked it all for Emmanuel, God with us. Um, I wrote most of the sermon before we decided to house 15 immigrants in our building for 10 days. Um, but the two found the way to come together, these two things. When Denver put out the call for counties to help out, only one county said that they would. You might think that that's because we're somehow great in Larimer County, but it could also mean that we're the least intelligent of the counties in Colorado. Sure enough, I have discovered that when you say yes to something like this, you enter a world of compliance that is so rational, it's irrational. It's ultra-rational. <laughs> rational beyond um, comprehension. But it is a little hard to say no to something like this when Mary and Joseph were turned away at the inn and when their family became a family of refugees, someone in Egypt said yes to them. But this isn't a story about us. As though by doing this, surely God would bless us. By housing, housing some, some immigrants in our church, surely that would you know, help us in our arrangement with God. And in return, God couldn't help but offer us security and blessing and make our name great and make us glorious in all the land of Fort Collins. That is not the story. What it means is what Mary knew, what Israel learned, that there is actually something more wonderful than the arrangement. There is something more wonderful than security, than having your own temple and keeping everything right and in order and proper. There is something more wonderful than having an agreement with God. Better than anything is Emmanuel, God with us. God with us will never make sense. Our lives will be less stable, less rational. They will be harder. But if he has said yes to us, how can we not say yes to him? It's the only thing that makes any sense. Amen. God of surprising futures, God of presence in the wilderness, we ask you, Lord, to give us signs that you are with us. Help us to see those signs. May they encourage us on the way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. May the peace of Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. And may he bring you home rejoicing once again into these doors. Amen. Go in peace.